We have just uh, come to the point last week of finishing a series that we were looking at in what it means to follow uh, the model of leadership that Jesus taught us. Uh, And next week, we're going to be starting a new series all around spiritual gifts and what it means to actually step into really identifying those gifts. And last week, when Kay shared with us, she was reminding us that actually it's a real privilege to lead even though at times we don't necessarily feel up to it uh, and at times it can feel hard because actually when Holy Spirit is with us, we can do these things. And when um, I found out that this Communities and Connections Fair was going to be in the middle of these two series, I actually felt really excited about it because during the week of prayer and fasting that we had in January, I really felt Holy Spirit leading me to a particular passage of Scripture. And I did what we talk about here, what we talk about in our communities, about the fact that it's really important to weigh something when you feel God is speaking to you, uh, to pray into it more, to kind of seek uh, him about it. And that is what I did. So I didn't really tell very very many people about it. And unknown to me at that time, at the end of that week, Steve McLeister, one of our elders here, he was at the encounter evening that we have on a Friday once a month, and he shared the same scripture. He felt that God had been prompting him and drawing him to that scripture too. I didn't know that, but I do really feel this evening that God wants to speak to us through this word, through uh, this Connections Fair. And so I'm just going to pray for us before we open God's word together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are here with us. We thank you for what we've heard so far. And we know that you want to speak to us today. May we open our hearts and our minds and our ears to hear from you. Amen. So we're going to be looking at Luke 9, verses 1 to 6. It'll be on the screen, or if you've got a Bible and you want to uh, go along, then do. But I'm going to read it out for us. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. For the first time in Luke's gospel, Jesus finally calls the disciples to actually do something. Up until this point, they have primarily been observers and been hearers. They have seen day in, day out, week after week, month after month, Jesus operate and show miracles and perform miracles all over the place. They have been with him. They have been learning. They have been seeing that. But now it's the time to send them out. In this passage, Jesus is really blunt. He's direct. He doesn't mince his words. He says it as it is. And it's actually really significant, the sequencing of this. 
Because in verse one, we can see that he gives both power and authority first. Once he has called them together, he gives that power and that authority. Now, we're going to have a little Greek lesson this evening. And when I did my theology training, my pronunciation of Greek was always appalling. So forgive me if you are a learned scholar in Greek. But we're going to learn together because actually it's really important for us to understand a little bit more about these words and what they mean. Because they come up time and time again in the New Testament. And the word power in the Greek is dunamis, and that means power, might, strength, force, ability, capability. It's referring to that raw power needed to accomplish an action. And then the second word, authority, in the Greek is exousia, and that refers to capability, might. But here's where it gets interesting. Because when it's linked together with the dunamis, it is emphasizing absolute power and authority. The kind of power exercised by rulers of others in high position by virtue of their office. A ruling power. So when Jesus says this to the disciples, do you think they're ready? Do you think they feel equipped? Do you think they think, yeah, I can do this? Well, I'm not so sure. I reckon they probably went, what? It's now time for us to do it, to do what you've been doing. And this scripture is not just for the disciples. It's for you and me as well. This is what we are destined to do. And we know from the Old Testament in Genesis 1, verse 27, that God created humankind in his image, according to his likeness, to have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. God created us in his image, you and me, in his image, to have a place, to be able to do significant and amazing things things. He promoted us to that highest position. It's such a comfort to know that Adam and Eve got it wrong. Other people in the Bible we see all the time got it wrong. God sent Jesus so that we could see exactly how to do it. The disciples had him showing them all the time, yet they still at times got it wrong. Crispin Fletcher-Louis, who is a theologian, says, but Jesus' calling does not relieve us of ours. On the contrary, it enables us through the restoration of God's true image as we share in his life and spirit, finally to fulfill the vision of humankind ruling creation. Do you feel that sense of identity and power and authority. I know at times I definitely don't. We have on our mirror at the bottom of our stairs written in chalk paint, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Because I need to remind myself of that every single day when I get it wrong, when it doesn't quite go according to plan. I have to remind myself who I am in God, what it means to be rooted in my identity in Him because it's when I do that, that I can step up and step out with power and authority. What about you? What 
about you. When I used to live in England, one of the jobs that I had is that I worked as a probation officer. And um, after I did all my training and had experience, um, I then had to do another training program. And then I got given the task of going to work in a category A prison. And my job was going to be to go in there on a weekly basis to run, get ready for it, the Aggression Replacement Training Program. Catchy title, hey? Um, but in essence, what I was going to do is to work with individuals who had committed not particularly nice offences, impulsive, violent offences. Grievous bodily harm, battery, ABH, all those kind of things. And so on my first day when I arrived, I got given my keychain Suddenly, I had such power. This belt round me that had the keys to unlock every single gate in that place. I did not feel ready for that at all as a 25, 26 year old. And I probably had that look on my face because I knew to get to the room that I needed to do this training in required me to unlock and lock behind me 20 gates. It was quite a long walk. And so as I stood there and I realized what power I had, imagine I could have totally abused that power. I could have left gates open left, right and center. But it was actually only when the person that was standing with me and could obviously read on my face that I was bricking it. said to me, Odell, look at the ID badge around your neck. You've done your training. You are qualified to do this. Of course, there's things that you need to learn along the way, but you can do this. Step into that authority that you have. And then I did start to do that. And then I could deal with the 20 gates of unlocking, locking behind me and the inmates who tried to say, oh, I'll leave it open for us, love, when there was free flow and all those kind of things. And my answer was no. But it was only when I fully understood what it meant to step into that power and that authority that I could do that. Because I had to understand who I was, my identity. And that is the same for you and I this evening. I don't know how you've come here today. Maybe it's just that you need to be reminded of who you are in him. Maybe it's that you actually need to step up and step out in with that power and authority. When we move into verse 3... Jesus is teaching a huge lesson to the disciples because what he then goes on to say to them is, take nothing with you. Take nothing. And the reason that he says that is because he wants to remind them that the most important thing for them to remember wherever they go is that God will provide for every need that they have. Every single need Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. However, if we're really honest, the problem comes that we hear these things and then we don't actually do anything with them. Sometimes people say we become feeders, not farmers. We come to church for a meal, not a mission. 
we're reminded here that actually the primary mission is that we all are to go and operate in this power and this authority and not get bogged down by the packing. Now, of course, the amazing thing about God is that we're all called to do that in different ways and in different seasons and in different stages. We're not all called to do that in the same way. Some of the things that you will hear as you go around and you meet with uh, community leaders or partner um, organisations that we partner with through Central or leaders of the teams that we have operating from here is that people do it in different ways, which is amazing. But I said we get bogged down, don't we, by the packing and I don't know about you, what type of packer you are. I think there's probably quite a few different types. But I am a bit of an over-packer. Really happy to admit that. And I remember the first time that we were due to go away after we had our eldest son now, who's six, but when he was a baby. And the week leading up to us going away, I probably had one list, two lists, three lists, a list in my head. And as I went round the flat and I saw things that we needed or we might just need, I put them on the spare bed. And by the end of the week, the whole bed is full of things that we might just need. When I spoke to Andy, my husband, and said, what about your packing? He's like, take me 10 minutes. Take you 10 minutes. It still takes him 10 minutes to pack because I pack for our two children and every eventuality. Now, sometimes he might forget the odd sock, but I'm usually the one that takes stuff that we don't need. And it seems to be that our eldest son has followed in his mother's footsteps so far. Because we went away at the beginning of this week for a few days, and I said to Jensen, uh, Do you want to pack some stuff to take? And here is a picture of Jensen looking totally ready for the journey. Here he is. He's really into army camouflage right now, as you can tell. And uh, the backpack that he's got on, you can't really tell. It is so heavy. He actually can't walk with it. It used to be his dad's scouting backpack. And it is crammed full. And when I said to him, what have you got in there? He said, everything I need, mummy. And I said, well, can I see? No. Okay, and this picture reveals just some of the things that are in the bag. This red gadget up here, if you don't know, is a switch-and-go dino. Very interesting toy, but he had four of those in the bag. He also had pens, paper, Rubik's cubes, all these kind of things. At the end of the three, we went away for three days. At the end of the three days, he probably used less than a third of the things that were in his bag. He got overwhelmed at packing all the stuff for every possible eventuality. And when it comes to us stepping up and stepping out, don't we sometimes get bogged down by making sure that we've got everything sorted, every T crossed, every I dotted, every single possible thing in place before we move into this idea that God has planted in us, this dream this notion, this thought of maybe I could set up a community that looks like this. But actually, I'm not going to do that until I've got five other people that want to go with me, 10 other people that we get overwhelmed by that. And that is why Jesus is reminding the disciples, don't take the stuff with you. Trust me. 
Now, of course, we need to be wise. Of course, we need to show wisdom with this power and this authority. And the disciples do that. They have seen time and time again and witnessed Jesus modeling this to them. But as we heard this evening from people that are leading communities or people who decided, like Aaron and Haley, to go into the places that they felt God planting in their hearts, they didn't have every single T crossed and I dotted before they stepped up and they stepped out. Holy Spirit went with them. They stepped into that power and that authority that we're speaking about here because they fully knew who they were in God. And of course, that's a daily thing to be reminded about. But what is it that maybe Holy Spirit has prompted in you or is prompting in you tonight? And then when we look back at this scripture and we see verse four, we are also reminded that it's never forced. God's love and care is an invitation. The disciples are encouraged to move on if they are not welcomed. Pretty direct, but not easy. Not easy if actually we've stepped up, we've stepped out, We've started to build a relationship. We've started to press into something that we felt God has given us and it's gone wrong or it's not gone the way we hoped or somebody has let us down. I don't know how you come here this evening. Are you somebody who doesn't yet know God? Have you known him? Have you stepped up and stepped out only to be hurt and then you've gone, I'm not doing that again? Have you tried something and it didn't go the way you wanted it to or somebody has let you down and as a result of that, you've said, this is too hard. Well, let me be the one to break it to you. If you didn't already know, the Great Commission is not easy. I was meeting with the youth beforehand and I was saying to them, I'm uh, short of 40. I've just got a few years left before I reach the big 4-0. And... um, I've been a Christian for many years. It's the best life, but that doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean it's easy. And I don't ever want to get to a point where I think, maybe I've done enough for you, God. I want to be hearing from Holy Spirit daily, who are my people? Where are you wanting me to be? Who are you wanting me to invest in? Where am I meant to be going? And sometimes if we're really honest, some of our communities here might say there's times where it's all going great. We're building relationships in our community. It's brilliant. But at other times it feels like we're trudging through mud and it's hard. But the thing is, and the reason we talk in this church all the time about loving Edinburgh is that there are people that don't yet know Jesus. There are people who are still having an identity that is skewed by the world and labels that have been put around their neck. I remember the label as a 16-year-old of, she comes from a one-parent family now, she probably won't amount to much, and she'll be pregnant by the time she's 18. But I was not going to let that label define me because I knew who I was and I know today who I am in Jesus. If we uh, haven't, been, 
haven't heard yet about this tragedy of another celebrity taking their life just yesterday. Is that not enough for us to think there is a world that needs to know who they truly are in Jesus? Where their identity lies and the power and the authority that comes with that. But of course, it's hard. And we do hear and we do talk about the fact that we just need to maybe have a greater mindset about this and understanding about it. And I agree with that to some extent. And there's a quote by Carol Dweck, who's done a lot of research into this, that says, in a growth mindset, challenges are exciting rather than threatening. So rather than thinking, oh, I'm going to reveal my weaknesses, you say, wow, here's a chance to grow. But I would say that is only possible when Jesus is at the center. We can do amazing things when we fully know who we are in him and we step into these scriptures that we've read and we fully understand what this power and this authority is. And we come together. That's why we talk about this being a gathering and a gathered place and space because we come together here to be able to dream and to share with one another ideas that maybe God has planted in us and we learn together but if we just hold on to it and we don't do anything with it then what is the point instead in the creative and unique and individual ways, we go to the scattered places and spaces and people because there is still a need. And we can't let the times where it goes wrong or the bad experiences that we have or when we feel let down to stop us from doing that. Of course, we have to be sensible. We have to work through those times. We have to pray through those times. We have to prepare again and again and again. But we can do that when we know who we are in him and we step up and we step out. And so the reason that I actually love having these connections fairs, and I know some people don't, that's okay. I get it. I'm the community's pastor, I get it. But the reason that they are so encouraging is because we get to hear stories. We get to be inspired by people that are trying things, giving things a go. It's amazing to hear people testify to, I tried this, we've set up this. We're interacting with our community and our neighborhood in this way. And so I really encourage you, when we step into that part of our gathering in a moment, go round, speak to people, find out what people are doing, pray for them. Maybe you're already in a community, maybe you're not. Maybe you are looking for a team to be a part of to serve in this church. I don't know, it's between you and God. Maybe the most important thing for you to have heard today and be reminded of is who you are in Jesus. The thing is, it's so important for us to get this. For us to be able to do what God wants us to do, we have to know who we really are in him. And I've written that in bold because it's so important 
And as a mum of two boys now, I know that I have such a responsibility on a daily basis when they have uh, words and images and all of that stuff filtering into their heads. I have such a responsibility to remind them of the truth of who they are in Jesus. So why don't we, in a moment, just pause? Why don't you close your eyes where you are? And I'm going to pray. And I want to remind us first of a scripture that was shared when we had our all-in gatherings before Christmas. Ephesians 3, 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. That scripture is on my fridge at home as a reminder that God wants to do more. We want to see more miracles, Jesus. Not because of us, but because of you. We want to see broken lives changed and transformed because of you. So help us, Heavenly Father. We thank you for the stories that we have already heard and we will hear. We pray that you would be speaking to us, giving us creative ideas and unique ways to be able to serve and love, and step up and step out into our city, into our neighbourhoods. May we remember and trust you. You cater for all our needs. You go with us, Holy Spirit, into every single situation. And when it gets hard, may we remember who we are in you, that power and authority, and the fact that we can trust you every step of the journey. Amen.